Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I am Jack Ford. I mentioned Champion Magazine. And if you haven't read it, you should, because if you have any interest in not just the world of sports, but the worlds that are, are, are populated by people who are involved in the world of sports, you will find great articles here on a regular basis. And we have one we want to talk about today, and we're delighted in order to talk about that. We have Rachel Stark Mason back with us, and she, she has a piece that she wrote in the winter edition of Champion Magazine. The title of the piece is Breaking Ground, and on the cover it talks about it, and it says, Common Ground, BYU hosts a tough conversation. So you look at that and you start thinking to yourself, wow, what, what is this? What are the tough conversations going on? So first of all, we're delighted to have you here, Rachel. It's always good to see you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And again, just a, a wonderful job of reporting and writing on that. Thank you very much. Let's, let's talk about this, this, the concept and the meaning of the term uh, uh, common ground. I said that the title of the, the piece is Breaking Ground, um, but it focuses on this notion. It, it's something, I think you could call it a phenomenon called common ground. Let's start mm -hmm. off with what what is that mm -hmm. and how so did when, it get started? Yeah, good question. So when we talk about common ground here in the NCAA, um, we're actually talking about a specific initiative that's run by our NCAA Office of Inclusion. And it was started in, in 2014. And so there have been um, these yearly events is really what it's built around. It's bringing together people um, in college athletics from faith-based communities, from LGBTQ communities, uh, bringing them together for some really intense dialogue, uh, very emotional, challenging, the kind of dialogue that is rare in, in society today. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it brings them together. Rare to, because it sounds like it's real dialogue. I mean, yes. They're real they, conversation. They don't waste any time getting to the yeah. to the heart of, of the issues. And um, and also seems like, I'm getting ahead of myself, I don't want to cut you, but also it seems like there's also listening involved. Yes. Which is not always the case. Yes. Listening and a true desire to really understand the other side. The people involved with Common Ground, there's a leadership team who's involved with planning all of these events and, and bringing together all the, the people who, um, you know, attend this, this think tank. And they talk about how we don't, they don't like calling them sides. But it's, so it's these different okay. people come from different backgrounds. You've got LGBTQ people. You've got um, people who are very, you know, evangelical Christians. You've got members of uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which we'll talk more about mm -hmm. here, um, in particular related to this last story that I did. Um, you've got people who are religious and um, identify as LGBTQ, and you've got people who are neither. So mm -hmm. it's just a, a real melting pot of, of people who come together, and ultimately the goal is to find a way to, to really ensure that uh, college athletics is a place where all student-athletes, regardless of their gender identity, their, their sexual orientation, their religion, can really thrive. So that's what brings these different people together. It's, it's that shared goal to really do what's best for student-athletes, and um, that's what th drives them forward. That's really the glue that when you talk about common ground, that's what they're trying to do. Now, this is, as I understand, the fourth of these events you mentioned started yes. in 2014. And there, there certainly have been conversations with regard to the L LGBTQ athletes and their, their emergence, their willingness to come out and declare who they are, and issues about um, about being a part of your team, being welcomed, being embraced, literally and figuratively, as a part of your team. 
But, but this area is, is different because this just doesn't introduce the notion of, uh, of societal judgments. This also introduces the idea of religious beliefs, deeply held religious beliefs. What do you think, looking back to 2014, I, I remember seeing some people writing about this saying, really, what do they think they're going to resolve by mm -hmm. getting everybody in a room together? Mm -hmm. And the suggestion was, you're not going to get people who, who are, they know who they are, they know about their LGBTQ, um, their, their persona, mm -hmm. it's part of them, it's, it's, it's not a, an identity that can be shed. And the other side of the room, sides, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, mm -hmm. but the other area of the room, let's call it that, you have people who have deeply held religious beliefs. And um, with the church, as you mentioned, there is essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, says that um, it, it's, they don't, it's not a sin to have feelings for, mm -hmm. for a same-sex person, mm -hmm. but it is a sin if you act on it, right? So the, the, basically the skepticism in the beginning is, is this just for show? Is this just theater? Tell me how it's progressed. Yeah. Yeah, so, you're, so what you just referred to is specific to the Church of Jesus Christ of right. Latter-day Saints. Do you want me to dive more into BYU specifically and how they got involved? I think yeah, that's let, a good let's, example. Let's of, do that, I think, yeah. because that gets us to the notion of, because this has taken place in variety of locations with a variety of participants. Right. But what you write about is the most recent one, which is taking place at BYU. Yeah, so what was really compelling about this story, I had written about Common Ground 3, actually, mm -hmm. in 2017. And that was held at another faith-based school, it was Houghton College, and that was the first time that Common Ground had been held at a, a faith-based school. Previously, the first two were at, here at the NCAA National Office in Indianapolis. So that was a big step. Um, then when we found out that Common Ground 4 was going to be held at BYU, a school where, you know, it's the flagship university of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, 99% right. of their student population are members of the church. Um, so, so that was, you know... That was a surprise to, to people that, you know, they on the surface, it? you did, wouldn't expect yeah. that did this they school would want to hold this. Did they say, we would like to do this here yes. at our campus? Yeah. So, so Liz Darger is the Senior mm -hmm. Associate Athletics Director at BYU, and she has become more involved with Common Ground over the years. It started a few years ago that she kind of stepped foot into Common Ground with a lot of trepidation, um, but really built some relationships there and is now a member of the leadership team. So she works closely with um, several leaders who plan these events, and she talked with her university president, Kevin Worthen, her athletics director, and they just have learned more about this conversation that's going on and have this desire to really better understand these issues, know that there's more work to be done on their campus. And so they, they really bought into this, this initiative, and that's what led them to say, Yes, we'll host this here at BYU. This is going to surprise some people. You know, there may be some some conflict. It may invite some criticism on both sides, um, but they felt like it was something that was uh, really something they should do. Talk about the the gathering itself. How many people involved? Where did they do it? What was the process? Yeah, so this was this past fall, about 60 people gathered in Provo, Utah, for the two-day Common Ground event. And as I mentioned, it's a very diverse group. Uh, there's a facilitator who is highly trained and is just excellent in, in navigating this really <laughs> complex uh, conversation. And they go through a series of um, activities, I guess you could say. 
Um, things like they, they start off with, yes, probably the, the first activity I think that they do. And again, they waste no time really getting deep, which I always am so fascinated by just being an observer to this conversation. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not a casual cocktail party. No, no. <laughs> and by the end, they're usually tears by almost everyone involved. It's it's emotional. But yeah, this this first activity that they really start off with to, to break the ice um, they, they form a circle and then they talk about, you know, join me on common ground if you are, um, you know, first in your family uh, to go to college, for instance, or join me on common ground if you have siblings or if you're an only child. So just really simple things they start off with. People step into the circle, step back out, and um, it's just an opportunity to see, oh, I have this in common with other people. Mm -hmm. Gradually, it gets a lot more uh, deeper. And, um, you know, they, they start talking about things like sexual identity and religion and just their core identities. So that um, that's really what they start off with. And then that's that's just one example of an activity that they do that really opens a lot of people's eyes very quickly. And then they, they dive deep and, and start talking about, you know, what ultimately, again, keeping the student athletes uh, really at the heart of the conversation, like what issues are they facing on campus? How can they bring this dialogue back to campus and, and try to improve the situations there? Because, again, you, there, you can only accomplish so much in, in two days. You. You mentioned some uh, some particular individuals. You know, it, 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 the, the article is great storytelling, and as you know, as a writer, great storytelling is based uh, oftentimes on on the the people mm -hmm. who were at the heart of that story. Mm -hmm. And you 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 write about a couple of them. I want to just ask you to touch base on some of them. One is is um, a a person who was there who was a swimmer at Harvard, and has an interesting background. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about about that and and that person's involvement with the program and with BYU's swim team. Yeah, so the the swimmer is Skylar Baylor, and he just actually uh, uh, graduated or is about to graduate. Right. Just finished up his final senior swim season, and and he has been involved with Common Ground for the last few years. His story. Um, is is very powerful. He he joined the Harvard women's swim team. He was recruited uh, as, to to join the women's swim team and then transitioned. So he's a transgender uh, student athlete and is uh, among the the first to. Um, and, and story has gotten significant coverage. Correct. Yeah, he's been on Ellen DeGeneres. Wow. He's been on the Today Show. Um, so so he's really been out there and and kind of become a you know, an, a, a really well-known advocate for, for the transgender issues in, in that community. And so he has been involved with, with Common Ground. And um, his, his story with, in particular to the story that I just wrote on, on Common Ground at BYU, I, I was really fascinated by his interactions with the, the BYU swim team. And um, he, so coming into Common Ground, he had some preconceived notions about, oh, I'm coming to BYU, I'm going to Provo, Utah. You know, he's aware of BYU's honor code, which, um, you know, has gotten some negative publicity. I mean, you know, it's gotten um, drawn a little bit of, of, of criticism here and there because of, uh, you know, it, it says things like, you know, students should... Um, you know, avoid alcohol, avoid coffee, um, you know, follow a certain dress code. But then it also has a section on homosexual behavior. Mm -hmm. And so that's the part where, you know, people in this space, 
they know about that. Right. And, and it's going back to what you said earlier in the conversation. It, it doesn't say that you can't have those same-sex attraction feelings, but um, acting upon those. It's more about the behavior that would violate the honor code. And so with that background, knowing that, you know, it's he, he just wasn't sure how he would be accepted on, on campus. And it's just so different from, you know, the environment he is in now currently and the people he's surrounded by. And so he was just... Uh, unsure, and uh, but he really wanted to get a, a workout in when he was there on campus because the swim season was quickly coming up, and he didn't want to miss a workout. And so he reached out and asked, like, "Hey, can I get access to the BYU pool? Um, is there a time where I could go and, and swim over the next couple of days while I'm in town?" And he was surprised when he got uh, an invitation from the coach to not only join, to not only come to the pool and swim and practice on his own. But he was also invited to join the swim team and and practice with them among the the male and female swimmers. And so in the story, I kind of set that up as a big question. Like, you know, he had to take some time and think, Okay, am I actually going to allow myself to step into this space? Am I? um, So he he talked a lot about like welcoming himself. Like, okay, BYU, he was surprised that the BYU swim team was welcoming him to join them. And he he realized he also had to let them welcome him, yeah. and and so he needed to take a step forward, and and ultimately, you know, I share in the story what that experience yeah. was like for him. Yeah, and one of one of the things uh, giving away the whole story, but but he uh, had a picture of himself with a couple of the other BYU swimmers, um, and they casually have their arms around each other the way the way athletes do. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was interesting. He you know, he sends that out with the the thoughts that you just mentioned. You know, not not just about other people welcoming you, but you welcoming you. And yet, curiously, or maybe not so curiously, and maybe this is an indicator, you would think that photo would have been universally welcomed, saying, isn't that great? There was criticism. Criticism of him for being there. Mm -hmm. Criticism of them for, in a a way, you know, not necessarily literally, although somewhat, but figuratively embracing him, welcoming him into their pool. Um, Does that surprise you? It did, and um, I think that's what makes it so powerful to why I knew I wanted to include that in the story. Um, So as we mentioned, Skylar has a a big following uh, among the transgender community, you know, has really spoken out and, um, you know, done a lot about the around the inclusion space. And so I think some of his followers, they were the ones who came back and said, wait, 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 like this, this group of people they have done harm to us they are not on our side why are you why are you interacting with them and so I think it just shows that the fear comes from both sides and the need for understanding comes from both sides and um and I was really really impressed with how Skylar handled that he ended up doing a follow-up post on Instagram and um just really encouraged his followers saying I hear you I know that there's a lot of hurt here and, and what you have experienced, um, you know, maybe from other faith-based communities or, or people within that community. Um, but I, I really, he, he was just really re- trying to get people to, to understand. And he's coming from this, again, intense dialogue where it's all about trying to listen and to understand and to, and to put down your preconceived notions and the stereotypes that you you hold and come to a middle ground. And so it just shows, like, this is really tough work, but um, it's something that's important for, for everybody. 
you certainly get the sense reading the, the story about the levels of emotion sort of infused into these couple of days of meetings. And again, you you illustrating it with a number of people, but one that you used, that you talked about, I thought was especially powerful, a young woman who's a runner at BYU and who has come out. Um, and, and I think one of the few, if not the only, mm-hmm. um, yeah. BYU athlete who has come out as bisexual, I, I believe. Right. right. Tell me a little bit ab- about her participation here and why it was so powerful for her. Yeah, she is another impressive student athlete. I was just blown away by her, first of all, courage. Um, and then just, I, I feel, as a writer, I just have to say I, I am so grateful for everybody who who opens up to me and shares those really sensitive um, uh, stories with me. So I, I definitely felt that with her, um, especially since this was so fresh. You know, she, she came out to her cross-country team that fall, and it and by was, the way, it was a great story how she came out to them. Yeah, she so she was on that? a long run. Yeah. She, yeah, it was during um, fall camp, and she was on a long run. She didn't have this planned, but it was, you know, three miles in, and she just felt like, okay, I'm at home with, with my teammates. Um, I just want them to know about this piece of me. And so she just kind of blurted it out. I want you to know that I'm bisexual. And they said, we love you. And they ran on. And they kept running. I, I and it was, was just no one blinked yeah, an eye. Yeah. Um, and, and she said it was just perfect. Yeah. It was, you know, complete acceptance. And, of course, there were questions afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, you know, just felt completely loved and, and safe in that space. Um, since then, she has, you know, it's not been, she, she has to still navigate these really tricky um questions that are inherent in her faith and her sexual orientation now, because she is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She does have to abide by the honor code, being a a student at BYU. And yet here, this is another core piece. She is, you know, um, you know, she does identify as bisexual. And, And so that challenge is something that's going to take her some time to work through. And she went to Common Ground just a few months after that. And, and so it was still all fresh in her head. She had a lot of questions, but I think it was um, important for her. And I think the the leaders around her that she's really turned to, like Liz, Liz Darker is somebody who she's, you know, has, has a lot of trust in and formed a great relationship with. They encouraged her to, to come to, the, to Common Ground and to really learn more about the situations. And um, I think it was ultimately a, a, a very positive experience for her. Having, having been there and, and watched this dynamic, this extraordinary dynamic, at the end, your sense as an observer, as a chronicler of this, where were they? Where had they gotten as a consequence of, of these couple of days of these, as you said, very deep and oftentimes very emotional conversations? Yeah. So it always kind of feels like at the end of these Common Ground events, you want you want a happy ending. You want you, you want the the loose ends tied up and everybody to say, okay, I'm leaving with all of these answers to these really tough questions that we came in here with. Um, but it's it's not that simple. And as I mentioned earlier, it's not something that can be resolved in two days. And so it it feels a little bit it's it's jarring. Everybody's like, okay, so now we have to go off into our separate ways after having this really emotional discussion and. 
and tackle this on our own in our own homes in our on our own campuses um and but they're equipped with this this knowledge um and this you know this uh new understanding of maybe the other side um and so i think that's what you know the journey continues it's not something that uh just ends when they say okay goodbye you know it was a great great event we'll see you next year it's something that that's just the beginning and um, I think when you ask, like, what is common ground? Like, what is the ideal um, answer? What is everybody searching for? You could ask several different people involved in that event and get different answers. So it's, it's complicated. I think, that's, I think it's, it's <laughs> illustrated, literally, and figuratively, um, in the, the piece you talk about them putting everybody writing questions or comments or observations on little different colored sticky notes and putting them up on a wall here. Mm -hmm. And one of them that you mentioned is, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. And it seems that that captured this note, what you just explained now. is We've been here. We've done this. This is our fourth time. Where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. I guess that's the real issue. Let me ask you, last question for you. As somebody who, who, again, who chronicled this, who's who's followed this story. Um, And it's, I say this often to writers, to filmmakers, that you know, your piece here is is sort of taking folks on a little bit of a journey of discovery because most people don't know about this. Um, even I knew a little bit about it, yet by reading your article, I learned so much more that I didn't know before. So it's a bit of a journey of discovery for the readers. But for you as a writer, I imagine it's a bit of a journey of discovery also. Oh, yeah. You're not sure how this is going to end up. This is not a scripted piece that you're putting together. So last question for you, what did you come away with after hmm. this? What were your thoughts about the notion of common ground and and how it's working or not working or what its future is? Yeah, good question. I think I think the first thing that jumps to my mind is hope. I think that that was something that I did try to instill in the story. I kind of kept that at the top of my my head when I was writing because... And you did a very good job of it, by the way. Thank you. Of having that be a thread throughout everything. Yeah, um, because this is such a fraught space, and it can feel at times it's a roller coaster, even though it's just two days. There are times in the conversation where you feel like you're just there. How do you come to any sort of consensus here? How do you overcome these really intense obstacles, um, these core identities that just don't sometimes don't seem to jive. And, and so, um, but being there, I, I, I was just struck by the um, optimism that I felt. And I just saw little glimpses of like Skylar. That was uh, an example of, of something that was hopeful that, that he was, you know, it was just one swim practice, but, you know, he really learned um, you know, he was surprised by how he was welcomed into that space. And then he was able to share that more broadly with, with others who weren't there to experience it. Um, you know, with, with the BYU runner, uh, something that, you know, she, and I explained this in the story, there was a time where she had to run out of the room in tears oh. because she was so distraught about this inner dissonance that she was trying to figure out in real time. And she just needed to leave and get a breath of fresh air. And people ran out after her. And it was very, very emotional. It was the most emotional part of the whole two days, I would say. And um, But a couple hours later, I spoke with her just one-on-one. And she said, you know, I feel so supported. So I feel like 
yeah, it's just like breaking open. It was so raw. It's, you know, it's so emotional. But at the same time, you kind of have to get to that level in order to get to, to get beyond it and to, to have any progress. And so um, just hearing her say, yeah, I feel really supported, you know, was so relieving and so powerful. And I just wanted to to really convey that in the story that, yeah, this is really complex stuff and no one really knows the answers, but at least they're sitting down and at least they're having the conversation. And I really feel like it's a model that people can take and use elsewhere in society and talk about other things because we really challenge, we are really uh, having a hard time doing that, it seems like. And, you know, with uh, with society today. So I, I really applaud the people who sit down and, and hash it out mm-hmm. here in Common Ground. As we said at the beginning, they're talking and they're listening. Right. And hopefully something comes from it. Well, it, it again, Rachel, as I said at the beginning, it's a, it's a fascinating and very thoughtful look at a very complicated scenario. So our thanks for spending some time and, and chatting with us about it. A great article, once again, called Breaking Ground in the winter edition of Champion Magazine. Rachel, thank you. Thank you. Does it for us today for this edition of the College Sports Insider. Again, our thanks to Rachel Stark Mason for spending some time with us. Our thanks to you for spending some time with us. And we will look forward to talking with you again real soon.